in a little different route of preaching. And I'm not basing it upon a sermon note. I'm not basing it upon three points and a poem or any such thing. Not that I'm being negative of that. I just simply have chosen to read the scriptures to ask you to join me. And let's pray that the anointing that's in the word of God, that as we read it and focus it, the principles that the apostle intended to be shared and understood by the listening audience could be grasped. I was thinking of this in my heart's preparation. And it... Uh, in Ephesians, the third chapter, Paul said this. I've made this known to you previously, but he said, I pray that when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That certainly is our goal, is that as we read, we understand the knowledge that has been revealed. You may remember what Jesus said. Jesus said that the, that the information, knowledge, paraphrase, that the knowledge that you are getting, the information that is being provided to you, he said, that generations of people have longed to see these things. Kings, priests, and prophets long to hear the things that you hear and were not allowed to. We are privileged to be able to unlock these principles and look deeply into the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. This journey has been a journey of the Spirit, bringing us to a precipice that we found in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. We're not going to begin there today. We're going to arrive there in a culmination of supporting scriptures. But I wanted you to go on this journey with me. And this journey was and that we as believers have experienced something that there's no other possible means, mechanism, electrical or mechanical uh, that could do in us medical or any such thing and that is the spirit of God can come into your heart the heart of an unregenerate person and cause that person to live again before God to make you a entirely new being that you won't just be someone who is religious you won't just have a conformity to a religious standard a practice precepts or a pattern but what you have is a new life you are a new creature new creation a new creature, the King James says, in Christ Jesus. We've been singing the song this morning, the same power that rose Jesus. It's a great song, poor English, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Come on, he does. And he's given us life. And through this life that he's given us, there is a change in our ability to function. We think differently. We act differently. We talk differently. Come on, somebody. We are entirely new beings. We are not judged in comparison of who we used to be. Because that who we used to be is no longer alive. That person's now dead, died in Christ, and a new person has been born again. I don't have a text that we're going to follow. I mean, we're going to read today. I just wanted you to be aware of that journey. That's where we're going to be. We're going to culminate in the eighth chapter. Now, if you're new to us this morning, here's my great encouragement for you. Go to www.heberfirst.com. Go to the podcast, and you can hear the previous 10 messages <laughs> along this line. And then you might understand, but many of you already understand these principles. Now, let me say this lastly before we begin to read the scriptures after prayer. And this is... I made a statement last week that I didn't clarify for you greatly. And that was concerning the biblical illiteracy that we see in our culture today. That there's so many things that has created that for us. And, but, but in, and I've said it often negatively, but I'm saying it in the sense that you and I have the ability to change that. We do not have to be bound to spiritual ignorance. We can grow in the knowledge of God. I've said this, and I'll be very careful. God uses all churches of all sizes and all different means 
And, and one, of the, one of the patterns of the contemporary church in our generation is to water down the doctrine. I think that's an error because the, the life of the doctrine is what sets someone free. This is not a social club. We've not invited you here for a good time. Worship is great. Fellowship is great. That's all good. This is where the life of God, come on, where we understand, where we become students of the Word of God. This is our campfire moment where Jesus is seated with his disciples and he's sharing with them principles and precepts. This is our moment to grow in the knowledge of God because as we grow in the knowledge of God, that change that began inward begins to continue and to manifest itself outwardly, Amen. right? And I'm telling you, the only person that's going to make a difference in this life today there are people whose lives have truly been changed by the power of God. If you're trying to witness to somebody and you have irregularities of, of uh, activity in your, of, in your faith, in essence, you're one way one day and the next day you're something altogether different, you're, you're, creating, you're, you're sending a mixed message to a lost and dying world. They need to see that the same power, come on, that raised Jesus from the dead can bring a person out of bondage and bring them to new life. Come on, somebody. So, Father, we love you today. We're honored to be in this house. We feel, Father God, totally dependent upon you and the Word of God. Father, I know that the people have an expectation, and there's a pattern of precedence that's been established in front of us for concerning preaching, and preaching has to be a sermon, and it has to... But, God, today we understand that the anointing is not necessarily on the sermon. The anointing's in the Word, God. And we're going to pray that as we have a listening ear, that, Father, the anointing that is contained in the Word is going to stir the anointing that's in the heart and the life of each individual here today, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm sorry. I was about to get choked while I was praying. I guess that's not true. I wasn't about to get choked while I was praying. I was choked. I want to ask you to just join with me, and let me just kind of, as in a moment of time, we're going to go to the book of Galatians. There's two passages of Scripture that we're going to read in the book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians that's going to give some additional support to the text that we have already read multiple times in this series, and that's Romans, the eighth chapter. I want to give you just, a, I've gone and I've spent each week oftentimes retracing the steps that I have arrived at, but I will not do so today. I just simply want you to be aware that as I was contemplating the summer school of the Spirit and I was thinking how the Spirit of God works in our lives, my attention began to really begin to, to focus upon how that when the Spirit of God creates regeneration in the heart and the life of an individual, there is a change that is worked outwardly. It begins inward, but it manifests itself outwardly. And there was a, a, a principle of the fourth chapter, or the fourth verse of the eighth chapter, where the apostle in Romans 8 said that the righteous requirement of the law shall be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I thought about the precedence of the law of Moses, and I thought about the established order, and I thought about the disciplines that it took. Now, the law was good. The law had value, but the law could not make an unrighteous person righteous. It could not. It could create a sanctified life. It could create separation from certain evils, but it couldn't change the inward heart. It could not reach inside of man and take away the sin nature of Adam and put in him the sin na or the nature of God, the life of God. And that was what it was weak. And Jesus, or the scripture even says the, the, the law was weak in that context. But as you are born again, and that there is a change that is 
worked in you, then as you begin to mature in your faith and immediately begin to, to walk before God, you are able to do, say, and be the things that you no longer or previously did not have the ability to do because the same power. You have to keep getting that written on the tablet of your heart. You and I, the Christian faith, is bound to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, his resurrection validates everything. His resurrection validated his doctrine. His resurrection validated the doctrine that validated the previous doctrine, the doctrine of the Old Testament, when he said, I've not come to destroy, I've come to fulfill. His resurrection validated everything that he said. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. All of our faith is that as he was first resurrected, we too will be raised from the dead. We believe that. But let me tell you, what you need to realize is that resurrection is not just physical. That, that there was a raising from the dead on the inside of you. The Spirit of God, the life of God. If you believe, if you believe with all of your heart that the Spirit of God entered into the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. I use that language because that's the language of the Scriptures. And there the lifeless body of Jesus lay on the cold stone. And it was there that previously, days earlier, that same physical body could laugh, could love, could lay hands on little children, could sing, could worship, could feel pain, could communicate with people. That body, though, is lifeless because he had, in, on the cross of Calvary, he had, he had bowed his head and given up the ghost, and he's lifeless. That body has no life in it. If there was a doctor, the doctor would have felt for a pulse, there would have been no pulse. If they could have scanned his brain, his brain would have had no activity. His chest would not have raised up and down as a breathing mechanism or motion. There was no activity whatsoever, day one, day two. But on the third day, but on the third day, the Spirit of God entered into that borrowed tomb and entered into that body and raised Jesus from the dead. And he changed him. And when he came out, he was different than with the way he went in. Come on, he was supernaturally a different body. He had been changed by the power of God, the first fruits of the resurrection. And it is our belief that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he then breathes into us the very same life, hallelujah, that brought Jesus out of the grave. And so therefore, as that life is released in us, then we suddenly become different people from the inside out. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so that's the doctrine, that was the precipice of the 8th chapter to which we'll read in a few short minutes. Now this, as Paul has defined this for us in Romans, it's not bound to Romans only. It's also revealed in Galatians, it's just a narrow slice. It's also revealed to us in the book of Ephesians, it's just a little narrower look. But I believe that today it will help us to support where we are arriving in our conclusion by glancing, even though I can't spend a lot of time sharing commentary across the context of this book of Galatians and the book of Ephesians, it would be wrong to not support this doctrinally because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And clarification comes and the, the, the look changes slightly as you see it just a little bit differently in these wordings. It's from the same pen, the pen of the Apostle Paul, written to a different people group, but it still at the same time contains the heart of the mystery. The 16th verse of the 5th chapter says this, I say then, said the Apostle, I'm reading from the New King James Version today. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit. 
and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we have learned, church family, that man is a triune being made in the likeness and the image of God. But because of the sin of Adam, then that th- his body is still destined to die. And the potential to sin still lies in your flesh. And if you will allow it, your flesh can dominate you. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. So now I can walk in the Spirit. And in doing so, I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The flesh will lust against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if... You are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. Again, the argument that we have studied very intently over the last few weeks in the book of Romans is also spoken of greatly in the book of Galatians. We are not under the law. We've been delivered from the law. The Bible says in the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to deliver those that were under the law because the law could condemn but could not create salvation. It could at the same time, there was a value and a purpose to it that we've talked about many times, but it left us always in need of another atoning sacrifice because we could not meet its righteous requirement. But God in Christ met and fulfilled that righteous requirement in that right church family and it delivered us from the law. He said, so now look at the works of the flesh. And I want you to think about these for just a moment of time because I know that oftentimes in the church, as we study the scriptures, there's a measure of reflection about our own lives here are just a it's just a brief listing here is just a brief listing of certain works of the flesh this is not a complete list but this is a list in general and it lists things that we know to be sin or sinful by nature and if those are active in your life it could be a reflection that you have really not ever received the life of God on the inside of you in this passage he said here the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Stop right there. These first uh, few are dealing with uh, things that you and I see as gross immorality, such as adultery and fornication. But the apostle then begins to shift it towards areas of character, the way that we react and respond, such as hatred and contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. If your anger is still dominating you, then something is allowed to live in you that shouldn't be living inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? because it shouldn't belong in the life of a child of God. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and I like these last three words here, and the like. He just simply said, in the same context, in the similar fashion. Paul didn't attempt to make an entire list, but Paul just said, but and the like. Notice this, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're still practicing such things, then let me tell you today, you may have had religion you may have signed a card you may have been baptized in a baptism tank but you did not get born again because if you were born again you were raised again to a new person able to walk beyond those works of the flesh that were historically tied to your old man 
what the church has done a good job of, it's a, it's, it's a poor analogy there. We've done a, good, a poor job, let me say this. We allow men and women to continue in their life stream thinking that they are righteous and sanctified and holy before God while they live a life filled of mess and sin and iniquity. And when you see a life that's still filled with iniquity, then it tells me that the heart never really got changed. Because when the heart gets changed, the lifestyle will change. I know y'all shout me down, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. Because listen to this, the fruit of the Spirit. When you're born again, the fruit of the Spirit of God works in your life. This is the byproduct of God's Spirit in your heart and life. And it's love. I used to hate, now I love. Come on, somebody. Now I used to be in sorrow, now I have joy. Come on, I used to have contentions, but now I have peace because this is the fruit of the Spirit. I have long-suffering before God, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ, are you Christ today? I hope so. Then you have, what have you done? You've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Why is that important? Because Paul expounded it more in the book of Romans that we'll look at in a few short minutes. If we live in the Spirit... Are you made alive by the Spirit of God? Are you made alive? Does the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, does He dwell inside of you? If He does, if you live in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, then you are to walk in the Spirit. A life that is conformed, that is governed by what? Not by the external parameters of the law, but you are governed now by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of you. The conscious, the voice of conscience is now illuminated by what? The voice of the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of me. I've been saying this in this context. There's a passage of Scripture in the book of Hebrews that speaks about the generation that we live in, the generation of the new covenant. God prophetically had said it in the Old Testament, but he's, uh, it's revealed in the new. And God said during this new generation, this new dispensation, God said, I will write my laws on their heart and on their mind. How did he do so when he gave you the Holy Spirit? When the Spirit of God, who is the mind of God, brought life to your spirit, then now you can discern what's right and wrong, not always by an outward voice, not always because you attended church. Attending church is a great thing, but because there is an inward voice inside you called the Holy Spirit who discerns Good and evil. That's how we're to prove that which is acceptable before God. Does that make sense? I had this analogy. I shared it with Shane one day. I was thinking of the context. When the law was given by Moses, God was giving unregenerate man a roadmap of some measure. It was a protection. It was a parameter. Remember what I've shared with you? The Bible says that God gave Israel the law on the positive side to prevent them from following the practices of the perverted nations that dwelt in the land of Canaan. Because if they were not careful, they would quickly acclimate to the lifestyles of the people that were allowed to live in the land. And they did. And they became a stumbling block to them. But the law was given. And when I thought about that for a moment, it's like when I'm riding in an automobile. And when I'm going somewhere that I've never been before, I have to have a map. And you've had a map or an atlas. And the law in one degree was a map or an atlas. But then we live now in a generation where we have something beyond an atlas. And now we have something, uh, what do they even call those things? I still have Sherry on my right side with the map. But they have GPS. My kids have the GPS system. 
And so the GPS then, can you imagine if a traveler from 200 years ago got in your vehicle with you and took off down on the trip and all of a sudden this little flat screen comes to life and this woman's voice when you arrive at the stop sign says, turn right, go 400 feet, turn left. Now, that's a powerful thing to take you where you need to go. And so take the law for a moment. The law was given, but a person had to study it. But well, the God set aside a priesthood. The priesthood would study it and then would teach the people certain principles and parameters. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Having a GPS on your dashboard is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. You say, well, how is it not the best thing? Because it can sometimes get off. You can get off a little bit. But let me tell you the best thing. The best thing is when it, on the inside of you is the knowledge of how to go from point A to point B. And I'm telling you, God sent his spirit into your heart so that you would know how to live in this life. It's not always an external voice. I can't go with you everywhere. I can't be your pastor that hovers over you saying, don't do this, don't do that. But I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. Come on, and that's why you can walk in the Spirit, and you can walk holy before God, and you can live in the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit. We're not conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Now let's go to the book of Ephesians. I'm taking a long time to just read some passages, but that's all right. It's a good word here today. Look at the second chapter, the first verse. That's the apostle, to a degree, picks this up again throughout this second epistle here. It says, and you, I love this. I think he's talking about me. He made alive because I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was void of the life of God. I had a carnal mind. I had enmity against God. I was filled with sin and iniquity. I was born a sinner, and then I practiced the sin that I had been born into and born out of. I was dead in the context of eternal life, illumination to God. I was dead in trespasses and sin. I once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of this air, the spirit that still works in the sons of disobedience, those who do not know God. We can take them and make them religious, but that doesn't change the inward man, among whom we also all once, every one of us, so you can look real pious in here today, but all of us conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. If it tasted good, you went after it. If it appealed to you, you longed for it. If, it. if you felt like you could gratify it, either in public or in private, then you went for it. You fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You watched perverted things. You listened to perverted things. You, you, there was a perversion that was around you. And by nature, look at this, by nature, you were a child of wrath just like everybody else. It didn't matter whether you were Jew or Gentile in that context. But God... I love that. That's a great place that you missed to say amen. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when I was void of the life of God, he has made me alive together with Christ Jesus. For by grace I have been saved, and I have been raised up together, and I have been made to sit down together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God is kind towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is what? Free. 
It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing that you could have done to provide salvation, including redemption and justification for you. But, but believe in what Christ accomplished on the cross for you. Is it that simple? Yes. It's just that simple that we put our faith in what he accomplished at the cross. Because if it is of works, then men would boast and God would not get the glory. God did the work so that men would get the benefit and God would get the glory. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to think as a paternal, as a parent. If you're a parent here today, when you had children, as you thought about your children and you thought about the gift of life and their futures, as you thought about who they would become, and you couldn't dictate everything about their life, but in your mind, you could think about them. You could contemplate the steps that they would take. You could contemplate the careers that they would uh, possibly be involved in. How many of you know that you never... You never in your mind, not a single time, contemplated in your mind and said, I hope that my child grows up to be a crystal meth addict. You never one time in your mind and in your heart said, I hope and pray that my children grow up to be uh, an adulterer or a fornicator or an extortioner. Right? In your heart's mind, as you thought about your children, you thought about their good. You thought about blessing and favor and grace you thought about what their life could become. Any negative thought that came to your mind, then you tried to cast it down and not dwell on it. Well, let me tell you, as we are in Christ Jesus, God has prepared beforehand that we live a life that brings him glory, a life that's pleasing to him, a life that is filled with good and grace and kindness. Let's go a little bit further, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse, before we get right back to where we are going to culminate today in the book of Romans. 17th verse, fourth chapter. I've read this to you several times in the past. I love it. I want to read it again. It just speaks to me. It just challenges me. It just, uh, it just, it's one of those moments where if I was ever kind of in a sleepy moment, and you know, Paul in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans, he calls the church out of stupor, out of slumber, out of sleep. He said these words, now it's high time to awaken out of sleep. And you know, if you've ever, I know sometimes you've ever been asleep, you just kind of take water and you dash it in your face. Because you just kind of want to get your, 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 you know, your, your physical senses and you want, to, you want to be alert. This 17th verse just speaks to me in that context. It's almost like if I was barely awake and I was just kind of not really alert as if somebody just walked up with a cold glass of water and just dashed it right in my face. Because it just, just hits me right there. Because it says this, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. It is not acceptable in the eyes of God for you and who you are if you're still bound to addictions, is still bound to adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, and all those things. That is not the will of God for your life. God said that I'm testifying before you that you will no longer walk like the Gentiles walk. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God has an expectation for his children that we will walk holy before him in love. And we need to preach that in our generation because men and women are being conformed to the testimony of the world around them rather than being conformed to the image of Jesus who's on the inside of them. 
He said, we are to not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Their understanding is darkened. They can't understand. Their spiritual mind has not been illuminated. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. In past feeling, they have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But look at this, but you have not so learned Christ. Let's stop making excuses, people. Come on, let's just get it real in here today. God, when he saved you, he saved you to change you, to make you a whole new person. He said here, you've not learned this in Christ because you may have learned it in the church that it's acceptable, but you've not learned it in Christ. Because God has a workmanship that he's created you for. If indeed you have heard him and you've been taught by him, how many know the truth is in where? It's in Jesus. That you would put off the former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We're going to address that in a few moments in the book of Romans to conclude here today. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That old man wants to be resurrected. That old man that is now dead, that you're separated from, who is bound in his sin, he wants to rise up every day. And that's why Paul, using the same context, a little bit different wording in the book of Romans, says we must mortify the old man. Every day we live to God, but we die to our old man. I'm not talking about your husband at your side today, ma'am. I'm talking about that old you. That old you wants to rise up and dominate the new you. That old you wants to stumble and, and cause you to stumble and fall. That old you wants to gratify its desire and appetite in the flesh. But let me tell you, but the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is now on the inside of you and you are no longer subject to the appetites of the old man. But you got to put him to death every day. You rise up. Paul said, I die daily. I die to that old man daily. I'm dead to sin, Romans 6, but I live unto God. And I put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verses 25 through 32, Paul just addresses practical areas that when you see a change in your inward man, it ought to be revealed in your outward man. Listen, y'all seem to be a little bit spiritually in a lull today. It helps if you respond. It does. If you're just connecting, if you're reading, if you're pondering. I, I, I don't know how to judge this in the context of other preaching. And I, I know about preaching and teaching. I know about the art of preaching. Deep inside of me is a Leotis Brown. I can preach that way when I need to. But I want you to know that sometimes the preacher just gets in the way. Sometimes you just need to look at what does the text say. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when I read this, there's an expectation that God put upon me upon the day that I said, God, I trust you for my forgiveness of sin, that God puts an expectation expectation on me that I will walk in newness of life in this new man I will put him on every day that he's created in righteousness and true holiness and I want you to see this this is God's expectation for you and as you grow in grace then you're going to stop lying it's time to tell the truth let's go a little bit further he said be angry and do not sin it's time for you to ha quit having all of these freak out moments all these freak out moments are not of God. Come on, you can have some righteous indignation, but I'm telling you, and it's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong to be angry. 
There are times that we need and we have to be angry. But you don't have to be angry and sin. You don't have to act a fool. You don't have to always say things that you got to go back and repair the damage that you did in your family and your friends. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you so you don't have to curse anymore. Come on now. I don't have to give place to the devil. Some of you like to still celebrate the devil. I don't like to even talk about him. Come on now. I don't even like to give him, you know, the, even my afterthoughts. I just want to just rebuke him and move on with my life. Come on now. Let him and stole steal no more. But work hard. Despite the liberal movement. Let me say it again. But work hard. And God will give you something that's good. And then you'll be able to help give somebody his, his need instead of the government. But that's another sermon for another time. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace. Come on, we need to be able to speak grace to those that are around us. And don't grieve the Spirit of God. If you continue in a lifestyle of sin, you are grieving the Spirit of God who's on the inside of you by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, which means hatred, with all malice, put it away. Here's God's will for your life. Be kind to one another. Come on. The Spirit of God empowers you to be kind because it's a kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, isn't it a shame when the people that are saved are just ugly. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's words. I don't know any of the words. They're just kind of rude. You know, you don't even, sometimes you don't even, well, listen, if you're really saved, you ought not be rude. You, you, you need to be kind and gracious and be able to speak kind words about people because you were a sinner and God forgave you. Therefore, who are we to imitate? Let's go further. I know I was taking a little bit of time. We're going to get to our precipice and we won't take long there because we've been there. We're to walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. But look at this. Say, so Pastor Brown, what's the will of God for my life? Put fornication away, all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Let me tell you, you can't watch the things that you used to watch. Lord, I heard you say it. He said, Lee, just preach it anyhow. Just keep going. You can't, you can't listen to all that junk that you used to listen to about this person slept with so-and-so and you don't even know your name when you got up. You can't listen to all of that. You got to put good thoughts in your mind, come on, that produce life rather than death. You can't be watching all these movies that are filled with filth and foul and this and that. It may have been funny to the old man, but it ain't funny to the new man. The new man doesn't want to celebrate all that junk. The new man wants to celebrate life. That's producing death. That's destructive. It leads you down a path of unrighteousness. The new man wants you filled with joy. Come on, joy, the joy of the Lord. Listen, I can have joy when nothing around me is funny. Listen, whether or not it's an entertainer or a comedian, I don't have to have that. Joy is not happiness or humor. Joy is the work of the Spirit of God. I have a smile on my face, not because I'm happy. I have a smile on my face because I got joy this morning. The Spirit of God is on the inside of me. So let no one, let's go back up, fifth verse. And you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man 
Doesn't matter if he's Methodist, Baptist, or Assembly of God. Doesn't matter. He has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you. There is a lot of deception in our generation. For because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. There will be a day of the righteous wrath of God. Does that make sense? The wrath of God has fallen one time in the last 2,000 years. It fell on the cross of Calvary. A man cried, Christ Jesus absorbed the wrath of God. But if you reject that love and that sacrifice and that atoning death on the cross, there will come another day when God releases his righteous indignation. And it will find, you say, Pastor, you're trying to scare me. I don't want to hear. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't know any other way. I don't know how I can package it any other way. I know you, that our generation wants us to soften the blow. I can't soften the blow. The wrath of God is coming to an unrighteous, unregenerate world. And the only way to avoid the wrath of God is to put your faith in what Christ accomplished on the cross. It says, do not be partakers with them. Let's go a little farther. You were once darkness. Come on now, read that with me. When we were singing songs this day, I was thinking about, as I was hearing those words up there, I thought, that's what God wants us. It's not necessarily the beat or the rhythm that God is concerned about. Some of you like Southern gospel, some like old hymns. That's not the issue. It's the context of the words that's the issue. Are you singing songs that produce life? That's really what the issue is all about. And those songs that we sung today earlier were songs about life. It was about my life being blessed and being a blessing to others that are around me. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because I was once darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. So therefore, I'm going to walk as a children of light. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I'm going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Why? Because the same Spirit... uh, raised Christ from the dead dwells inside me. I don't have to have the pastor saying that's good and that's bad. I don't have to have Jojo. I don't have to have the Holy Ghost on the inside of me teaches me what is acceptable unto the Lord. And so when I see that it's unacceptable to God, I don't have no fellowship with it. But my lifestyle can expose it. It's a shameful thing even to speak of those things that are done by them in secret. All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. The only way you could come out of darkness is to have the light of God shine in. The light of God shines into the darkness and the darkness does not overtake it. He said, awake you who sleep. You're spiritually slumbering here today. Some of you are. I can't see good with these glasses except for here and I can't out there. I can't see your faces. That's probably a good thing. I'm not looking at the grimaces that some of you are making as I'm preaching here today. But let me tell you, if you are spiritually asleep, it's time for you to awaken. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to be the person God's called you to be. It's time for you to be holy and walk holy before God. If you desire to know Christ, he'll give you light, won't he, church family? He will. And see that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise redeeming the time the days are evil don't be unwise what or understand what the will but understand what the will of the lord is do not be unwise i love that and all you're getting get what solomon said understanding don't be unwise i'm so tired of spiritual ignorance ruling the church 
I'm so tired of us being bound to spiritual ignorance when we have the revelation of God available to us. We can say with clear conscience, this is right, this is wrong, because we know what the Word of God says. The Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Don't be drunk with wine. It's not time to get out the wine coolers. It's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody, and have the fruit of the Spirit of God. It's time to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that produce life, to produce life in us. I was in a church service years ago, and when they, during the worship service, they opened and they sang a song, The Devil's Got Me Down in the Dumps, Down in the Dumps, Down in the Dumps today. I guess if you put the little jingle today on it, Somehow that was going to lift me up. I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't have time to be singing about the devil, and I'm not down in the dumps. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. The devil's been defeated on the cross of Calvary. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly. He gave me power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Let me tell you who's down in the dumps. The devil's down in the dumps because he lost the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm victorious in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to live my life to the glory of God. And so should you in Jesus' name. Let's close as I'll first have uh, Shane and Daryl come back. And then we're going, to, uh, and we're going to go to worship in just a moment of time. Pastor, you're taking a long time, I know, but I don't care. Come on now, I don't care. Come on, we need to get this in us. Look at this, 8th verse, or excuse me, 8th chapter, 1st verse. I won't spend a long time in dialogue, but now think about everything. And y'all hold off playing for just a minute. Let me get a little bit further, but I'll just like you up here. In case somebody starts to throw something, Shane, I need you to take a bullet for me if you have to, buddy. There's, i got to be careful saying that. Please forgive me of that. That's the wrong words right there. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 1st verse, 8th chapter. We've been there many times the last 11 weeks who do not walk according to the flesh. I just want you to have the life of God inside of you till you know you do not have to walk according to the flesh, but you can walk according to the Spirit. The law of, let's just read it. I want great dialogue to this today. I will not. I've already done so over the previous weeks. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do it was weak through the flesh. I just want to read it here again today. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. There it was on the cross. On account of sin. Who sinned? My sin. The sin of Adam and my sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. The righteous requirement of the law can now be fulfilled in me. Because I don't walk according to the flesh. I have an inward power source that I did not previously have. It comes from the Spirit of God. Does that make sense to you today? We've talked about it for 10 weeks. If you are genuinely and authentically born again, God breathed into your spirit, the Holy Spirit. He regenerated your spirit. His spirit joined with your spirit, brought them together, and together their collective voices, it declares you to be a child of God. For those who live according to the flesh, think about what we just read, Galatians and Ephesians. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Isn't that right? Isn't that beautiful? That's altogether lovely today. To be carnally minded is death. 
to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You need life and peace in your heart and life today? Be spiritually minded. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then if you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. You can't please God in your flesh. But you are not in the flesh. We've already taught this principle in days gone by. But you are in the spirit if the spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. Does he? Does he dwell inside you today? You know it if he does. Your eye is now illuminated. You see him. Not with the natural eye, but with the spiritual eye. You hear him, not with the physical ear, but with a, a spiritual ear. Come on, somebody. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, it doesn't matter how many uh, rosary beads that you prayed, how many baptism tanks you were dumped in, how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness, working righteousness in you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead, he will give you life. He will give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. So brothers and sisters, in closing, verses 12 through 17, you and I are no longer debtors. We're no longer bound to the habits, desires, or the appetites of the flesh. Don't give me that live Flip Wilson from the 70s. The devil made you do it. The devil can't make you do anything. You make a choice to follow the appetite of your flesh. But now you do not, before you were saved, you were bound to that appetite. You were bound to sin, but you are no longer bound to sin. That's been what we've discovered all throughout this series. You are no longer a debtor to live to the flesh. There is an expectation in the mind of God that you now live to the Spirit. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. These are what? The sons of God. We are sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry. Come on, Father, Father, Abba, Father, the most personal way of the expression of our faith. Let me tell you today, if God is still the big man upstairs to you, then you don't know him. I'm telling you the truth right there. If that's all God is, a deity that is somewhere in the cosmos that you only call out to him at times of great crisis, then you really do not know him. Because when he sends his spirit into your heart, he doesn't say, big man upstairs. He cries out, Father, Father, a sonship is created. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are what? We are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. This series has been about you and I learning that the life of God was placed inside of you upon your regeneration. And immediately, immediately, you had the power to do what you could not previously do. You can live holy before God. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Don't let anything, any book, any resource, any doctor, 
any therapist. Don't let anybody say that you will always have these habits in your life. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Come on, does that make sense to you? You say, well, pastor, but that's philo- that, 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 that's, those are learned men that are saying that. I don't care how learned they are. This book was written in the heart of the mind of God, the one who designed you. If you will get the truth of this in here, it will live its way out through here. And you will walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Does that make sense here today? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Come on. God expects us to walk differently. We're in the spirit. We are spirit beings. We live in this flesh. And this flesh has to do what the word of God quickened inside of us tells it to do. And we will live holy and righteous. And we will live a life filled with joy. The joy of the Lord. If you came in here like this today. God wants you to go out like this today. He does. He does. He does today. Let's take a moment to pray. And then we're going to begin to sing. They're beginning to play. And I guess the others may join. I don't know. We'll just see and work that all out here in just a moment of time. But I feel in my heart of hearts. I know it's right at the noon hour today. And that's, that's okay. It's just barely past 12 here today. But. In a moment of time, I'd like to invite people down to pray and to just, I just feel like just kind of connecting with people in prayer and just laying hands on people. If you, your heads are bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment and you're here today, and just let me give you this invitation. Do you really know Jesus? Do you really know?